For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access to your populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Over the lips and past the gums, look out stomach, here it comes. Ecologist and researcher with Kobe University, Shinji Sugiura, set out to write a paper on the predator-prey relationship between Regimbartia attenuata and Palophylax nigromaculatus. That's some fancy Latin for a water beetle and a frog that cohabitate in Japan's rice fields. Published in the journal Current Biology, Shinji observed a water beetle disappear into the mouth of a hungry frog. Then, 115 minutes later, he observed the reappearance of the still-swimming water beetle, only this time the beetle was observed as it emerged from the frog's anus. The water beetle had apparently gone the length of the frog's digestive system and re-emerged on the other end unharmed. Like all good researchers, Shinji had to verify his observation by feeding more water beetles to frogs. Like the first beetle, almost 94% of the test beetles eaten went over the lips, past the gums, through the esophagus, look out stomach, large intestine, and small intestine, this beetle is coming through and actively. Shinji found that beetles had to have been swimming the length of the frog as legless test beetles were digested. It is also theorized, not proven, that legs are necessary to irritate the frog's sphincter in order to get the frog's anal vent to open. Kind of like knowing the key code on a locked door, I guess. The longest it took beetles to, let's call it, swim the frog was four hours. Some of the test swimmers swam the frog in as little as six minutes. All of them, including the legless, came out the other end covered in feces. 
According to Kobe University, this is the first time prey has been witnessed actively, not passively, escaping from a predator after being eaten. A question remains as to why the frogs still pursue the beetles, even though the beetles aren't providing any nutritional benefit. But, you know, to be fair, we sure eat our share of corn. And look at all these popular cleanses on the market. Those live swimming water beetles could be the frog version of a detox. I suppose the water beetle may be inspiring if you think about it. Like if you were to find yourself swallowed by a whale. And keeping in mind, there are over 2,000 known species of water beetle, and not all of those water beetles are able to swim the frog. Proving, yet again, that uh, sometimes there really is a way when there is a will. It's not over until it's over, kids. And you can't rely on indigestion to save you. But maybe the old water beetle swim and tickle trick will. That's why I created the Dr. Oz underwear test. This week... We've got cronyism in Arkansas, listener emails, hound hunting in New York City, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. As everyone knows, my week in this podcast is sponsored by Steel Power Equipment. In fact, one listener will shortly end up with one of my personal saws, the MSA 220. We'll have a powerful low-hours electric saw, and they did so by helping everyone who loves the out-of-doors by spending cash during our auction to fund the purchase of the Shiloh Pond property in Maine I've talked about so much. That's 215 acres of public access. I'd thank you more personally, but I don't know who you are just yet. We went fishing on the Yellowstone the other day. A bunch of us meat-eater folks and Dave Simonette of the band Trampled by Turtles. He's also got a solo album called Red Tail. He just released that one recently. He is also a budding bird hunter and gardener. Uh, Likes to know where his food's coming from, I suppose. You'll be hearing Dave for free on a future Meat Eater podcast. I gave him two thumbs up, and I have big thumbs. On that float, I made a bunch of sandwiches, and I'm pretty much down to the last of my sandwich meat, which got me thinking, and I want to share a few things with you as we head back into big game hunting seasons, or just hunting seasons in general. Save your critter tongues and hearts, people. That's fantastic sandwich meat. Two, get a meat slicer. I know it seems superfluous, but my goodness, do they take up a little bit of space and provide a huge time savings. Three, if you and the fam are constantly going through processed lunch meat, try processing your own this season. It is shocking how fast meat disappears out of the freezer. Commit to a couple of big batches, brine and smoke turkey breasts or large roasts from your big game, let them cool in the refrigerator for like 12 hours, maybe throw them in the uh, freezer for an additional 30 minutes prior to slicing, and then you slice, bag, seal, label it appropriately, and you are set for the next weekend, the ball game, next hunting trip, whatever you got going on. Number four, Canada geese or dark geese get a bad rap. Get in the lunch meat game. Roast them slow, don't dry them out, and slice them thin. You want to goose hunt more. (coughs) Number five, the lunch meat game helps you rotate the freezer. It has allowed me, an admitted meat hoarder, to do a lot more with my game meat. Still making fancy and tasty stuff that you can't get anywhere else, but it's just packaged conveniently for the road. And consequently, I'm going through the meat supply a lot faster. 
Some folks, this is number six, by the way, are intimidated by wild game. Turn game meat into something more recognizable, like thin-sliced, tasty lunch meat, will help folks utilize their game in new ways and help the non-game getters understand why it is they see you, the crazy person in the neighborhood, pulling out of your driveway at 4.30 in the morning, painting decoys on beautiful weekends, buying old canoes that should be thrown away or kayaks on Craigslist, and, you know, constantly having a small smoker fire in the backyard. Our river sandwiches this past weekend were on sourdough, filled with corned elk tongue, roast goose, and roast coos deer. Made a basil aioli from the garden, had pickled cucumbers from mom's garden, used some whole grain mustard and a little bit of arugula. If you're paying attention, that's three animals in one sandwich. That's a lot of bang for your buck. That's efficient venison diplomacy. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Moving on to the Ask Cal desk. That's where, you know, listeners to the show finally get your your questions answered. Uh, First up, from misrepresented in Florida, as everyone is aware, we are heading into an election cycle that oh-so-divisive word, politics. We just can't escape it. Well, disappointed, writes in, expressing the dismay of having a representative that did not vote his way. And he's convinced that there's other constituents in this person's district that encouraged him to vote in favor of the Great American Outdoors Act, and in spite of that, he voted against it. He wants to know what can be done. So here's the move as I know it. Takes elbow grease, but you poll your representative's constituency, the folks in their district. And keep in mind, you know, it's more than just you. Try to establish where this politician actually departs from their constituents. Get a lot of signatures on well-writ petitions that are specific to these issues. And if your representative does not recognize the fact that they are not performing their core responsibility, which is representing you, vote them out. You'll have the ammunition to do so. Next up, a New Brunswick story of duck hunting etiquette. You know, New Brunswick, home of the Fiddlehead, Canada's oldest literary magazine. Huh? Uh, not familiar with that one? How about New Brunswick, home to the world's second largest whirlpool? Anyway, this one is from Mike. I've heard so many horror stories about people fighting over blind locations and starting feuds. That's duck blinds, by the way. Even a few that ended up with pellets flying at each other. I've heard so many of these stories that I wanted to give a positive one in return. Around these parts, speaking of New Brunswick, Canada, we mark our opening day duck blind spots early, mid-July or earlier. My standard area for my opening day blind is in a big marshy lake near a Ducks Unlimited man-made marsh, and it is a very popular opening day spot. Anyway, we put out a marker with names and telephone numbers on it, and a guy got in contact with me today. He sent me a satellite picture of the area with my blind marker on it and another marker showing where he was thinking about hunting. He wanted to make sure he wasn't crowding our blind. I thought this was very respectful, and we chatted for a bit. Came up with a plan to keep from crowding one another, or shooting in general directions of each other. Then, we agreed to go out together and set up the blinds to get an even better idea of each other's shooting lanes and layout plans so both parties get a chance at a few ducks. 
I've never met the man, but we had such a respectful, agreeable conversation that we both thanked each other for how well it went. I don't know about you folks, but this just seems crazy to me that these folks would rather behave like adults and actually talk to each other and figure out a mutually beneficial plan for hunting public ground instead of, you know, just grumbling under their breath for a couple of months until opening morning and then actively cursing each other. Crazy Canadians, huh? Great story, Mike. Way to be an example, and thanks for writing in. For the record, I've always wanted to go to New Brunswick and fish. A lot of people think that getting life insurance means you're insuring yourself for yourself, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's insuring yourself for your family. So if something happens to me and I'm not around anymore, I can have more peace of mind that my family can have some financial support, and that's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. More than once in my life, my journey, people have described me as an independent person, and that's how I want to stay even when I'm dead. That's how I want to be remembered. That's why I have life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash cal. That's meetfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash cal. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Next up, the access desk. Calling all Razorbacks. Little school history for you. The University of Arkansas, in 1960, was deeded by the U.S. Soil Service, which is a public entity, about 11,850 acres of prime ground in northeast Arkansas. The reason for the transfer and the agreed-upon primary use, an agricultural research facility, which is now called Pine Tree Experimental Station. 
The secondary use, public access, which makes sense. That's our collectively held public ground being transferred around. Under the conditions of the land transfer, it was stipulated that if the University of Arkansas were to come under some hardship and need to sell the property, the university would have to also provide for continued public use in that sale. Despite this, the University of Arkansas right now is under contract to sell the land to a private group that will not provide public access. It is speculated that this private group, and this will be no shock to people in Arkansas, are looking to make a private duck hunting club out of the property. At this point, it would be very appropriate to be wondering what the heck is going on here. And go ahead and please ponder that while I tell you about this place. Pine Tree Experimental Station is located in the northeast part of the state. It's important to note that Arkansas has some great public hunting ground, but not in the northeast portion of the state, which makes Pine Tree even more special. The experimental station is located just outside of the town of Colt, Arkansas, which, of course, you know Colt, Arkansas, because it's the world-famous home of Charlie Rich, who had a bunch of great songs, one of which being Behind Closed Doors, and it's a personal favorite of mine. It also, in title at least, is very, very appropriate for what is happening in Razorback country over this uh, land deal here. Anyway, for right now, visitors to Pine Tree can walk the roads, bird watch, fish, hunt. The management area is regulated by permit quota hunting for deer. Small game like rabbits, quail, squirrels, fur bears, doves, ducks, turkeys are hunted under statewide seasons. Pulled that directly from the website and this as well. The area consists of hardwood timber intermixed with fields planted in various crops. Several beaver ponds provide habitat for wintering waterfowl and other wetland wildlife. Large tracts of pasture established with an occasional small fishing pond providing a water source for wildlife. The area comprises about 11,850 acres, 3,940 acres in forest, 5,630 in pastures, and 2,280 acres in crops. Sounds great, right? So again, what the heck's going on? I will of course apologize to the folks that currently hunt this spot, but in my defense, Several of you hunters have contacted me asking to talk about this shady situation, saying this is a great spot, the only one we have, and we would rather compete with more hunters than lose it forever. We don't need just another duck club. And, you know, I agree. Here's a quick recap. This will lead into our call to action for the episode. University of Arkansas currently owns land that is legally supposed to remain open to the public. They have a deal on the table for $17 million that would make the land not public. In an official statement made by the University of Arkansas Communications Director Mary Hightower, the sale is for acres not in agriculture and pending agreements, there would still be public access to forested acres. Which, unfortunately, I gotta tell you, she's kind of saying, you have this guaranteed access right now. And pending some talks, we could possibly make it so you kind of have some access if everything goes right. Wouldn't you rather just stick with what you have? Now, according to the University of Arkansas, under the purpose of the property description, it states the management area purpose is twofold. One is to experiment in the agricultural field as to various needs of the farming industry. Secondly, is to provide under a cooperative effort with Arkansas Game Fish Commission to manage the resource for public use. 
The land is managed for all species of resident wildlife and wintering migratory species. I didn't see where it said that the sale of all of the property's water to a private entity somehow fulfills either folds of this twofold mission. And again, the sale appears to be illegal anyway. Here's another interesting tidbit for you, which does fit under the stated purpose under cooperative effort with Arkansas Game and Fish Commission to manage resource for public use. The Arkansas Game and Fish Commission is willing to pay $20 million for the property, do so in a legal manner, and of course provide public access. If this uh, further confuses you, you may want to check out the song, also by Charlie Pride, called Easy Money. So here's where your call to action comes in, which, to use the University of Arkansas's terms, is twofold. Fold one, Razorback alumni. Burn those phone lines down at your alma mater, and maybe mention the fact that crippling student debt and an uncertain job market and economy does not allow for all freedom-loving Americans to be a part of a hunting lease. So please keep Pine Tree publicly accessible, including the water. After all, you are a uh, supposed institution of higher learning. At some point, you probably covered not breaking the law in like a business ethics class somewhere. Second fold, backcountry hunters and anglers have started a petition which needs signatures to help stop this shady land deal. You can find that at backcountryhunters.org forward slash keep the pine tree research station public. On top of that, you need to call the county commissioner and your state and congressional representatives. Remember, Arkansans, you may be in the South, but you aren't in Hazard County. Write emails, make calls, and save your public land from this behind-closed-door deal. You know, them Duke boys never was much on waiting. Over to the damn desk, where it's damn time all the time. The Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, a guy famous for being rich and eating like a parentless kid at a birthday party. His reported diet includes five Cokes, McDonald's, and a Dairy Queen treat a day, which is kind of a treat to himself, considering he owns Berkshire Hathaway, which in turn owns a bunch of stuff like Dairy Queen. Anyway, he is now entering a long-running dam removal debate in California. Governor Gavin Newsom wrote a letter to Buffett last week asking him to support the Klamath River Project, a 12-year campaign to reshape California's second-largest river by enacting the largest dam removal in the history of our country. The much-publicized project hopes to save essential salmon populations that have dwindled to almost nothing by demolishing four hydroelectric dams along the Oregon-California border. Coho salmon from the Klamath River are listed as threatened under federal and California law as their populations have fallen, as have Spring Chinook. Spring Chinook were once the Klamath Basin's largest run. They've dwindled by 98%. Governor Newsom wrote that the river is sick and urged Warren Buffett and Pacific Corp to end the delays and move the dam removal process forward immediately. So why Buffett and why now? Other than the fact that he's a smart dude, Buffett famously bought his first stock at age 11 and reportedly made $37 million a day back in 2013. The multi-billionaire's real estate conglomerate Berkshire Hathaway, Inc. owns Oregon-based utilities company Pacific Corp. There's your tie-in. 
which in turn owns the dams that Newsom and many conservation groups would like to remove. Under a 2016 agreement, Pacific Corp would transfer its federal hydroelectric licenses for the dams to a nonprofit coalition called the Klamath River Renewal Corp. That was formed to oversee the demolition. This was all threatened two weeks ago when the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission made a decision to improve the license transfer on condition that Pacific Corp remain a co-licensee with the Klamath River Renewal Corp. The agency explained that it felt that the Renewal Corp might ultimately be faced with matters that it is not equipped to handle. Seems like a diluted and complicated process, right? Well, imagine if you're one of the many groups like American Rivers that have been fighting bureaucrats and manufactured roadblocks for years. The Conservation River is a meandering one full of boulder fields, my friends. Proponents of this move, like American Rivers, commercial fishermen, irrigators, and several sovereign nations have long argued that removing these dams will improve water quality, revive fisheries, create jobs, and boost the economy in the form of tourism. Buffett is a capitalist with a capital C, that is for sure, but the 89-year-old investor also announced earlier this month that he donated $2.9 billion worth of stock to nonprofit groups. Additionally, he has pledged to give away nearly all of his fortune to philanthropic causes by the time he dies. This $2.9 billion donation was his 15th annual donation since 2006. Well, Mr. Buffett, saddle up. Help us save these salmon. It'll be the best investment you've made in quite a while. Just to show you that there's a bit of give and take here, if I get the chance to salmon fish on a damnless Klamath, I'll tell everyone on Instagram that my fish was brought to you by DQ, and I bet some others would be willing to do the same too. Now try our new Sweet Deals value menu. On to the urban hunting desk. I bet uh, all you moms and dads out there remember the cartoon Ratatouille the Pixar flick that attempted to prove that rats and humans could coexist even in a restaurant. I, for one, never believed that for a second. Rats can't cook. What do I always say? Anyone can cook. I was just jealous of the nose, though. A rat can definitely smell. Anyway, turns out that there's no getting along with rats in New York City these days. The pandemic has emboldened the vermin, and they're running rampant all over the streets of the Big Apple. Rats are becoming more aggressive for reasons you might not expect. Bill Swan, rat specialist and co-owner of NYC Pest Control in Brooklyn, told Spectrum News NY1 that the problem is a lack of trash. You're removing people, who are slobs, and that is reducing their food menu, so to speak, Swan said. So they're being forced out of their domain to get food. Enter Elias Shul and his dog Sundrop. The pair are part of a small group that you might call rat hunters. There's no tags for rats, and they're definitely not being eaten, but there is plenty of opportunities to kill rats. Shul and Sundrop have been recently hitting up neighborhoods with high rat populations like Bedford Stuyvesant and Bushwick. You know, write into AskCal at TheMeteor.com and tell me uh, how to pronounce that one. Anyway, Sundrop in those neighborhoods, can sometimes kill up to 20 rats in four hours. Shul describes the hunt like whack-a-mole. He chases the rats out of their hiding spots, and Sundrop grabs them. Shul has been posting his rat grip and grins to Facebook and getting mostly positive responses. 
leading to many requests from locals for the hobby hunter to come kill rats in their neighborhoods or even train their dogs. It's unlikely this makes a dent in the population. After all, estimates have New York City's rat population at about 2 million, which seems pretty darn low to me. For now, the COVID-19 lockdown aided rat problem will keep some rodents working overtime to find food as the garbage supply dwindles and some restaurants remain closed or just partially open. Experts say that this might ultimately lead to a rat turf war if a specific colony were to get so hungry that they would consider invading other colony spaces. That's right, it might just be a rat battle. Regardless, Shul and Sundrop are on call and willing to help. But the amateur rat hunter has another idea of how to up his game and stop the spread of rats. Ferrets. Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani enforced a ban on ferrets in 1999, prohibiting New York City residents from owning them as domestic pets due in part to a fear of rabies, while current Mayor Bill de Blasio pushed to repeal the ban in 2014. It was rebuked by city health officials, and the ban stands today. I get a chuckle thinking about Shul running around the city with a pack of well-trained ferrets, but it doesn't seem like we'll see that anytime soon. The silver lining of this rat situation, and what seems like, you know, maybe a uh, turning a blind eye at best sort of level of acceptance is, if you are an inner city dweller, and you want to see how a hunting dog works, you may be able to team up and watch this happen without having to travel. You know, kind of bring the out of doors to you. That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening. And as always, let me know what I'm getting right, what I'm getting wrong, and most importantly, what's happening in your neck of the woods by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L. That's askcal at themeateater.com. Thanks again. I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.